0: McKinney Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series, empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel. And today is January twelfth, twenty twenty four, and welcome to our hot commodity podcast series. It's a holy wazzy day, yes, it is the first one of the year, and I'm joined by three guests. You know them: Eric Thornton, commodity specialist for McKinney Flavel. Hello, Eric. Hey, what's happening, Mike? Not much. It's Friday, and guess who's next to you? Kevin Combs, vice president of McKinney Flavel. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Mike. Hello, Eric. Hello, everybody. Welcome to twenty twenty four. It is going to be a good year. And last but not least, Nicole Thomas, Vice President, Information Sales and Service for McKinney Flavel. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Michael. Guess what, listeners, before we get into Holy wazdy and before Kevin has all his donuts, we're going to talk about two promotional things. One, January 31st, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to have our Key Ingredients Webinar which those that have listened to it or watched it before know it's a great way to start the year and looking at these key ingredients and what could happen as we move forward through 2024. So go ahead and go to our website at mckinney-felvelle.com to register starting next week. You can also register for Guess What, everyone, our Spring Market Seminar, which is on April 17th at the La Meridian, Oakbrook, Illinois. The theme this year is Movers and Shakers, all the powerful influences and forces that are driving innovation in the commodity markets, from technology to sustainability to, guess what? opportunity. So go ahead and get onto our website next week and register for that spring market seminar. Okay, guys and gals, shall we dive into this WASDE report? Friday WASDE. We better dive in quick or we're going to lose people. Let's go. Kevin, why don't we start with you since I introduced you first. Let's go into sugar.
1: You're on. I'm on. Well, Sugar was pretty interesting, a couple big changes, a couple surprises, at least in my eyes. Looking you know, right off the bat at the top of the chart here, looking at production, uh, USDA raised beet sugar 44,000 tons. If you asked me a week ago, I would have said, you know, we could see it slip a little. wouldn't surprise me if we saw that number fall toward 5.3 million tons. As I thought the numbers were a little optimistic on the sugar recovery uh, numbers and what not to get there and you know the temperatures had been warm uh, although we now have the polar vortex so certainly going to uh, be freezing those piles pretty good here uh, next week but anyway it just seemed like there were some optimistic numbers there but hey USDA's come out even stronger so obviously they're getting some sort of indications on yields etc maybe even being larger than what we were expecting so they went to 5.407 million tons for the beet crop which is a record bike wow wow on the cane side uh kind of going along with some of the things uh we've been hearing from some of the louisiana growers they raised production in louisiana 105,000 tons so that drought conditions we had this summer burning up the crop apparently are not uh, near as severe as we were expecting or the usda was expecting you know just three months ago, and now, you know, we're just a little under 100,000 tons lower than last year's excellent crop in Louisiana at 1.904 million tons. So we ended up 148,000 tons higher on production. Will be great, you know, if we achieve those levels.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Imports, of course, uh, you know, that's going to be the name of the game this year as far as uh, following the markets and what's going on and how the USDA is going to address this because... You know, fortunately, raw sugar supply is not as low as we thought with the higher production in Louisiana. But imports with Mexico situation and their second year of drought, USDA is not raising their production numbers. In fact, went quite the contrary. They lowered their production number, two hundred and sixty-seven thousand tons. Thus, meaning they have a lot less sugar available to export to the United States. They are already kind of putting a number there below uh, what we needed to get to 13.5%. We were at 12.8% stocks to use last month. So uh, with that lower production, uh, that means less sugar available for Mexico. But despite that 267,000 tons less, USDA uh, figured out how to come up with more sugar so Mexico could still meet most of their quota. And that's by raising their imports... 225,000 tons to 511,000 metric tons. So it appears Mexico is going to be in the business of importing sugar uh, in order to uh, export to the United States. And Hmm. just to make it even a little more interesting and confusing, the U.S. exports... We raised an additional sixty thousand tons, so our exports went from a hundred to one hundred sixty thousand tons. And you know, just through the trade and hearing what's going on, particularly in IMEX, a lot of that sugar is probably going from the U.S. to Mexico. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So, I guess that's why they call it trade, Mike. Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of interesting trades to be taking place. So, putting that all uh, into place here. Looking at stocks now, with a higher production number and, and some of those changes in imports, oh, I almost forgot the biggest import change, high-tier imports. We thought last month was strong at 465,000 tons. Not that it wasn't realistic given this shortage in raw sugar supplies and giving what was going on in Mexico, but you know, the USDA uh, has stated that high-tier imports were going to be an important source of supply for raw sugar especially in these uh, current challenging markets. Well, they they went all in on that number. They raised it 110,000 tons to 575,000 tons now. So a lot of imports coming in paying duties and uh, will be uh, interesting to watch. But I think uh, I saw the numbers in this comment section in the last report that we've already seen like 195,000 tons of that enter so. The increase was not based on speculation; it was based on pace. Yeah, lots uh, lots of things taking place. You know, stocks to use were back up to thirteen point seven percent, so uh, they got it back within range with these numbers. But uh, you know, I'd still say raw sugar supplies when you have. 575,000 tons is still fairly precarious, so it'll be interesting to watch this year play out.
0: Yeah, it should make for an interesting uh, colloquium as well as we uh, enter the end of end of February, and a lot of us are attending the colloquium, so uh, a lot of uh, discussions. Um, do you think it'll be different than uh, this last year? A lot of discussions, and I think the one thing that's going to be very similar to last year is sugar
1: negotiations for uh, 2025 will probably be uh, hot and heavy and taking place at the colloquium this year. So, Okay. Another early start to negotiations.
0: Okay. Anything else on sugar, or we'll shift over to wheat? I could talk all day, but
1: uh, I think we better move on.
0: Let's do it. Uh, Eric, tell us, what did they do on wheat? Is it a sea of red?
2: Yeah. Well, we had we had uh, three reports come out today for wheat. I'll cover the first two relatively quickly with the ending stocks number as of December first and the WASDI update. But the one that uh, people were most excited about was the winter wheat seedings report, kind of getting a feel for how many acres we planted last fall, what we could expect this spring and this summer for harvest. So again, I'll cover the first two relatively quickly, really, you know, non-events. We had just talking about the WASD report first, only a small revision lower in our beginning stocks number for 2324. Uh, USDA cited a little bit of massaging and and correcting on consumption for Q3. So that was reflected in the uh, stocks number again, falling just 12 million bushels. We also saw just a minor revision lower to seed demand falling 1 million bushels. So net, net, with everything else unchanged, here we are sitting at US stocks for 23, 24 down, 11 million bushels to now 648 million bushels. So again, really not too surprising there. There, there were some more notable changes in the individual classes for wheat based on those consumption numbers. Soft red, winter wheat got a little bit tighter, falling 11 million bushels, um, you know, a lot more export demand. And, you know, we saw some of those sales from China earlier in December kind of working their way through and and kind of raising that expectation. So aside from that, again, not much on the U.S. side of things. Globally, again, really nothing huge. Uh, some true ups we saw to production, I would say, you know, Black Sea, Ukraine and Russia each were raised by 1 million metric tons. Uh, China was offset a little bit lower. So those kind of netted out unchanged and a little bit of massaging to demand. So there we are looking at ending stocks up just 2 million tons to now 260 million tons for a projection. And the stocks report, you know, maybe a little bit better than the trade guess pre report uh, was looking for. December stocks on average to be about 1.39 billion bushels and the report today came out at 1.41 billion bushels so again a little bit higher than expectations a little bit more wheat on and off farm than than people expected but again really the big thing was was the acreage report and i think most people were going into their guesses pre-report that is with a, a lower projection uh, just taking into account, you know, where prices fell throughout the fall and across all three wheat classes and, you know, the the building optimism for much better conditions, higher harvested area. So, you know, we were expecting to see a decrease. And although I would say the decrease maybe came out a little bit, well, much below expectations when you think of it pre-report, we were looking for a 1 million acre. Decrease versus a year ago at 35.7 million acres and the report today came out uh, well below those projections at 34.4 million acres. So that's a decrease of 2.3 million year over year. And again, I don't think that is a a significant bullish driver or something to keep in mind moving forward because again, it was expected. And, you know, even more valuable in in these numbers is, again, just understanding that the the number of harvested acres we should get this year should be much more improved than past years. So, you know, a 6% loss in planted area, yes, you know, bullish when comparing that in that regard. Uh, It's still, though, uh, higher than it was in 2022 by 2% up. So uh, in that regards, again, still holding on to a decent amount of area. Uh, It broke out as follows, about 24 million for hard red winter wheat, 5% decrease. Uh, 6.86 million acres for soft red winter, 13% lower. That one probably a little bit below most people thought. And 3.54 million acres for white wheat, only a 5% loss there. Again, pretty much in line with expectations on that variety. But, you know, again, I think if you kind of look at these numbers, do some back of the napkin math, you know, if we kind of take that hard red winter wheat acre number, for example, at 24 million planted, and we use our 10 year average harvest rate of 74%, we should expect to harvest about 17.7, maybe 18 million. Of those acres. Whereas you look at last year, we planted 25.7 million acres only to harvest 15.6 million acres or 61%. Again, the conditions much more improved last fall. El Nino induced moisture, abating drought in the southern plains. You know, the crop is a lot happier, healthier going into the winter. You know, obviously, we still have to get through these winter months. And Kevin mentioned, uh, colder temperatures, arctic chill all the way down into the deep south, you know, that could be problematic for some stress on winter wheat crops, but nonetheless, I think, you know, that's that's quite common uh, each winter and and really, you know, the conditions of the crop should get us back towards much more in line with an average harvested area. So I think, you know, that's going to probably be something again to monitor these next few months, but ultimately um, I wouldn't say a huge shock, even with that fall in acres, and I don't think it deters from the optimism of larger supplies, better yields, better harvested area uh, for this year for 2024, which which will count towards the new new crop 2425, which we uh, you know this is kind of that first building block to see how that balance sheet looks looks like. So with that, I'll I'll pause and throw it back over to you, Mike.
0: Excellent, great recap, Eric. Let's move on to corn and soybeans. Nicole, what surprises, if any, did they do today? Are we uh, are the bears who we
3: thought they were? Are the bears first first and foremost? Yeah. Go Steelers. <laughs> no. And yes, I'm choosing no. violence because I know Eric's on mute and he can't say anything uh-huh. right now. Uh-huh. So I'm sure he'll give that back to me yes. at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but um, as far as uh, corn and, and soybeans are concerned, starting with corn, yes, there were some surprises, quite a few, with the domestic uh, balance sheet uh, yes, we too saw a little bit of a drop in acreage from the December report, but what really was the attention grabber, as far as the U.S. balance sheet is concerned, anyway, was the upward revision <laughs> to yield, which, uh, come to find out, one hundred and seventy-seven point three bushels per acre. So that uh, boosted our production a bit, and now looking at twenty-three, twenty-four versus last year. Uh, Total production up 12.4 percent. So definitely good news there. Uh, We did see total uh, U.S. consumption uh, increase a bit as well. It went up about 75 million bushels from the December report, uh, putting that at 14.6, close to 14.6 billion bushels. uh, And that overall was about a 6.2 percent increase relative to 2223. So the net result balance sheet changes, you know, pretty modest increase to uh, ending stocks now pegged at 2.162 billion. So, you know, we continue with this uh, bearish sentiment, uh, particularly for the for the US um, balance sheet. And we've got that stocks to use at nearly 15%. So you really couldn't ask for more there. But arguably the most drastic change in today's report was from the world balance sheet or the global balance sheet. We saw ending stocks increased by 10 million tons. How do we get a 10 million ton increase in one month in uh, ending stocks? Please tell. We got a revision to China's production higher by 12 million tons, now pegged at about 289 million tons for 2324. So as the market was uh, likely looking towards the numbers for Brazil and expecting changes there, which we did get, that was reduced by 2 million tons to 127. It was this Chinese number that uh, arguably got these uh, March futures trading for sub 450 a bushel today. Um, and this is even with an uh, expected uh, increase to global per, uh, consumption of a little over 4 million tons in 23-24. So our global stocks of use is now picked at about 23%, up about a percentage point from last year. Uh, and then lastly, uh, just a quick comment about the grain stocks report that also came out today. Uh, and we saw storage at Twelve point two billion bushels of of corn inventory as of December first, so that was up about thirteen percent year over year. So again, reiterating that bearish sentiment, and uh, arguably a big component of that as well. We'll we'll see uh, how it all plays out, but very interesting dynamic with the on farm storage versus the off farm storage. And we did note that on farm storage uh, or corn and storage is at a a little under 8 billion bushels, but that is up 16% from 2022. So combination of that much better crop, but also uh, starts to make you wonder a bit about uh, how farmers are going to market corn this year, Mm -hmm. especially with futures, you know, more or less uh, on a, downtrend for the past, what, four months or so now. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out in, in basis. And I will say, though, the uh, demand side of things, at least as far as disappearance in that uh, first quarter was concerned, uh, it was a little stronger. Uh, with usage of a little over 4.5 billion bushels between SEP 1 and and, uh, the end of November. And that's up uh, a little under 8% year over year. So uh, interesting dynamics uh, for the corn balance sheet. Now, uh, let's go over to soy. Uh, And there we saw a similar kind of trend with (laughs) many of these with lower harvested area Uh, But again, it did not matter because uh, for soy, we also saw the yields increased. In this case, we're now looking at uh, 50.6 bushels per acre. So we made it over 50. Now, that that, uh, obviously pushed production a little higher uh, to uh, about $4.165 But we still have a bit of a a marketing year decline from 22-23 of about 2.5%. But with that better production scenario and a little change in the way of consumption, we now have ending stocks projected at 280 million bushels. Uh, and stocks to use at 6.7%. So uh, in the domestic market, pretty good. On the global side of things, uh, soy stocks relatively flat with last month's report. Uh, Today, those were pegged at 114.6 million tons for 23-24. Uh, USDA did also lower Brazilian production there. We've been talking about the the weather impact, particularly for the first half or so of the season. Uh, And accordingly, they took that production number down by 4 million tons to 157, still a little high relative to CONAB's uh, uh, projection at this point. Just this week, they released theirs, uh, and they (laughs) reduced it month to month by 5 million tons, uh, putting it at uh, a little over 155 million tons, which I think is fairly consistent with what you see from some of the private forecasters as well. Uh, And then uh, lastly, to kind of touch on soybean oil a bit here, ending stocks were unchanged at uh, 1.577 billion pounds. Interestingly, though, To make that happen, we needed a 50 million pound increase to imports, plausible, and a corresponding drop to exports. Because as we've talked about quite a bit here uh, in prior podcasts, that uh, category of biofuel remains pretty strong. And they took that number up by 200 million pounds, putting us at 13 billion and lowered food use uh, by 100 million pounds to put us at 14.2. Uh, so the stocks use there is reasonably bullish at 5.7 percent, uh, and then uh, real quick on the on the stocks, we're uh, down modestly year over year, but sitting in in December at about three billion bushels. And in the case of beans, the on and off farm comparison is pretty similar to years past, uh, although in this case for the, what the farmers are still holding. Uh, is roughly about forty eight percent of that three billion bushels. Uh, and we did see uh, disappearance down six uh, percent year over year for that first quarter. And I would say the likely culprit there is the export category. You know our total soybean sales on the books thus far anyway, last uh, lag last year's pace by about seventeen percent. So to kind of sum things up here, I think you know we've we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for things to get you know, more comfortable, so to speak, and to get pressure and to get some further confirmation that we, the, the bears are who we say they are. And, <laughs> I knew it was coming. and you knew I it, knew was, it coming. was coming. And, uh, at least at this stage, it, it looks like the bears definitely have the advantage, not in real life. Sorry, Sean, not in real <laughs> life, but as far as the markets are concerned, the bears have the advantage. Uh. He's going to get me for that.
0: He is going to get you. But you know who's going to get you even more is Eric, because he's going to win this weekend. Let's
3: go, Buffalo. Yeah. It's, It's very plausible. Bring your snow
2: shovel. If you're going to the game, it's going to be wild.
0: I'm sorry. I'm go Bills. I'm go Bills. Well, <laughs> in ge- it's going to be a great weekend of football. And and the markets are closed, remind everybody, on Monday in, in celebration of Martin Luther King Day. So uh, if you're not working on Monday, hopefully everybody enjoys that day in celebration. And uh, I think we're going to wrap this one up, everybody. So, as I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Look forward to registering for our webinar and our spring market seminar in April. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. See ya. Take care. Bye now. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.